Hey everybody, welcome to Masterclass episode 213. Today, my name is Cam. Most days, my name is Cam. <laughs> today happens to be <laughs> one of those days. Uh, and today, my co-host's name is still Dave. What's up, man? Yeah, it is. So, um, You know, we don't know when folks listen to us, but we are in the Christmas season. Advent Mm -hmm. if you will so just kind of been um so doing well i don't feel near the obligation that i used to in terms of like spending money on other people and <laughs> giving gifts just because uh-huh so um yeah so i don't know that I, that maybe came off a little bit harsher than i meant it but um enjoying the Christmas season, season of Advent. Um, I won't go into it right now, but I am looking, listening to a book related to Dallas Willard and our topic. So, Oh, really? Yes. What book? <laughs> it is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry mm. by John Mark Comer. Which I don't know much about the author, but that was a, uh, so we're the master class. Yes, we are. We've referred many times to Dallas Willard and being an apprentice of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And this guy is kind of in the same boat that you and I are. Yeah, but he's got an audio book, so he's leveled he up already. <laughs> he's also like 30 years old and a pastor of a mega church kind of a thing. Oh boy. Or was a pastor of a, me a mega church. So that was kind of his, his premise of, um, but yeah, so just in, I mean, really kind of in that bigger overarching theme of just what I was talking about with Christmas and Advent and all that of, of he just is, is talking about, um, as you and I have mentioned, that John Ortberg uh, was an apprentice or sat under Dallas Willard and learned from mm -hmm. him and um, in a, in, and was also a pastor at a mega church and, you know, reached out to Dallas and was like, what do I need to do? Like, give me guidance, give me wisdom. And, you know, Dallas's answer to him after kind of that long pause says, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and then John Ortberg kind of follows up with the whole like well what else do I need to do and there's the big long pause and then Dallas is like yeah that's 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 it like you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and then there's there's there is that like you know fleshing out what that means and and I think all of us have some element of hurry in our lives that we can look at. Um, and it's probably similar um, for all of us if, you know, if we, if we take it at its most um, foundational, what that means. Um, but obviously it is, it's different for all of us once we really start looking at it what you know what that means for us and so um this john mark comer and again i don't i don't know a whole lot about the author uh but he's just talking about what that looked like for him in 
initially he resigned from his megachurch that he was a pastor of at 30 years old. So anyway, mm, well. trying to do the same in my life and, uh, you know, you and I have discussed this. We've talked about it and it's fun to kind of get this look like sort of like, uh, you get an opportunity to, uh, look in on somebody else that is trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's, I guess he's, well, not probably closer in age to you than me, but still younger than both of us. So I so 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 the, so the point that I'm I guess what I'm going to say with that is is I don't think I don't believe based on what I know of Dallas Willard that he would have said as a young man as a young pastor mm-hmm. he totally understood what that elimination of hurry really meant yep. and definitely as as you and I have talked about getting to hear him towards. Um, the end of life, end of the life here on earth, um, where he sort of arrived with that. And was definitely a person that, I, 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 I don't believe, I really don't believe that Dallas Willard was somebody that got this from the beginning and lived a perfect life and just made the right decision all along the way. But certainly we benefit from his, you know, 80-some years here on this planet. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. where he was at the end of life. So, anyway, didn't mean to, to go on that total um, diatribe or whatever you want to call it. But uh, You didn't mean to tell us about a potentially interesting book? How dare you? <laughs> no, because honestly, I just How heard it, it today, so... I wish I could do audiobooks, man. I wish I could. I so here's I I so I I I I can do them to a degree. Like I I I can definitely read longer than I can actually listen. Mm-hmm. So there is that element of you know the car ride is beneficial. Um, I snag a few minutes here and there at work sometimes too. Um, But yeah, I, I, I do feel like that actually reading the words and being able to underline stuff and mark stuff, um, reading it sticks with me longer than audiobooks. Audiobooks do not stick with me the way that reading them does. So, Yeah, I'm with you on the uh, physical book and underlining and all that stuff. It's... Okay, that. so here's a, here's a, here's a here's a completely random question for you. Mm, all right. When it comes to when it comes to reading scripture, uh, do you use your phone? Do you use an actual Bible? Do you do both? Which do you prefer? If I'm just reading to read, mm-hmm. physical paper Bible, one hundred percent of the time. Yeah. If I'm preparing a study or a teaching or whatever, I'm usually on my Mac and I've got 
Logos pulled up and my, you know, my writing app next to it. Um, cause that's way more powerful than just, you know, the text of the Bible. There's all of the other things that are in Logos's Bible software and the search. And it's just, it saves me a ton of time. I still have a physical Bible with me. Um, in case I want to, you know, compare it to a different translation or, or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, if I, if I'm just reading to read hundred percent Bible or physical Bible, and then if I'm prepping, I'm on my computer doing everything digitally. What about you, sir? <laughs> so I've gotten to the, I've gotten to where I am overly reliant on my phone and my Bible app on my phone. And I'm trying to make a more concerted effort to use an actual physical Bible. And I have no good reason for why I want to say that the physical book is better. Uh, well, I'm not prepared to defend that, but I just am <laughs> at that place where I'm like, I just don't, we, we use our phone for so much other crap. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's an element of there's something sacred of having a physical Bible to flip the pages. Well, yeah, you're like you said, your phone is a million different things mm-hmm. at any given. Your Bible is just a Bible. That's all it is. Yep. You don't get text messages on your Bible. You don't have timers go off on your Bible. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't get there's there's no there's no there's nothing to interrupt you if you have your phone away and you're looking at a physical Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, not nothing, but. Not like there is on the phone. Correct. So there, you defended it. Well, congratulations. All right. Because <laughs> I agree with you. 100%. All right. Um, I was going to say something else, but it was going to make me sound like a cranky old man. So let's just move on. <laughs> I'm not right. ready to well, be the grumpy feels... old guy yet. All right. Well, I'm only 36, fine. Dave. <laughs> so... Uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the epilogue, the closing, um, closing thoughts, uh, that Dallas provided, uh, in our book, Hearing God, that we've been working on for what, 14 episodes now, I want to say something like that. 13, 12, who knows? I've lost count, (laughs) but, um, it's just like seven pages long and, I don't know. I enjoyed it. There was, um, he got into a discussion about the visible physical world that we exist within Mm -hmm. being real and the spiritual realm being fake and how in, in Western culture over the last, you know, 100, 200 years, if you're a skeptic, you're the smart one. And if you're a believer, you're the idiot. And, mm-hmm. you know, because what you see is what there is. The physical world is all of reality. And if you think that there's a spiritual world behind it, then you're kind of a dum dumb. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a quote that I wanted to read. Um, it's the middle of the second page for me in my version. He says, uh, I'm gonna, and I'm going to quote what I just paraphrased so that we hear it correctly. Uh, We live in a culture that has for centuries now cultivated the idea that the skeptical person is always smarter than the one who believes. You can be almost as stupid as a cabbage as long as you doubt. 
The fashion of the age has identified mental sharpness with a pose, not with genuine intellectual method and character. Only a very hardy individualist or social rebel, or one desperate for another life, therefore stands any chance of discovering the substantiality of the spiritual life today. Today, it is the skeptics who are the social conformists, though because of powerful intellectual propaganda, they continue to enjoy thinking themselves, thinking of themselves as wildly individualistic and unbearably bright. Mm. And I just, I like it when he kind of throws punches. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, because he's usually such a quiet, soft-spoken, like, obviously, it, we've said this many times, like, the reason he is able to be quiet and soft is because when he speaks, it has more impact than the few words that he uses you, than you would assume, right? Because he's so thoughtful about what he says and how he says it yeah. that when he goes on a full paragraph long sort of, uh, what's the word? You said diatribe earlier, right? But just calling out right. a huge flaw that our culture is blind to um i don't know just it excites me yes because he's also right <laughs> he is right and so there was like that was the beginning of the epilogue was this idea of how um as he puts it the overwhelming presence of the visible world right can can become all that we see and all that we experience and all that we know because, <clears throat> you know, when you stubbed your toe, that's all you know for about 20 seconds, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, we are so attuned to what we see, what we smell, what we taste, what we feel, what we hear. Like our, our senses are so stimulated all the time. That it's easy to see how we would just assume that's all there is to life. Except for like when you start to wonder about why why do I laugh? Why does why can a song make me cry? Why do I have both uh, um, familial uh, and friendly, and romantic love why why do those things exist why do i experience them why does it hurt when someone betrays me what's the point of of art you know like why is the world as immensely diverse as it is both in in humans and in in, in animals and plants and biomes like once you get past the surface level of life there's all of these things that don't necessarily make sense or have reasons for them if this is it. If this is all just a giant accident, then we got a really pretty cool accident to live, to live in, <laughs> right? <clears throat> but if it's not an accident, then the existence of all of those things has a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose. And so anyways, I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but I just, I found the beginning of, of the epilogue. Uh, I had to re, 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 oh my gosh, re read it 
twice just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Um, but he, I guess I'll say this and then I'll, I'll shut up is that all of that talk about the physical world versus the spiritual world was like, the point was the physical world is never going to stop demanding your attention. That's how I interpreted it. He doesn't say it in Mm -hmm. such words, but like, it's always going to be there. There's always going to be something to distract you. There's always going to be a pain to deal with, an exciting thing to, you know, good and bad things are always going to be happening around you. And if, if you let that consume you, then God is not going to butt in. No. Because the spiritual world is whispers <laughs> and quiet and being alone. And, and he mentions how, you know, Jesus went away to be quiet and alone with the Father. He removed himself over and over again in scriptures to go be alone and quiet to convene with God. He didn't let the physical world overwhelm him or distract him from that quiet, alone time so he could hear the still small voice. Um, and so I just, I thought it was a really interesting way to, to, to start the ending of the book was to kind of go back to the basic principles of like, the world is loud and noisy and distracting. If you want to have a conversational relationship with God, you need to remove yourself from those places. Kind of like we talked about at the beginning of this episode of of reading scripture in a physical Bible so the world isn't one notification away. Is to intentionally make a place and a time in your life where you can be alone with God. No distractions, no noise. And honestly, like it, saying it that way, like it's it, it's even respectful to God to do that. Does God want us to talk to him when we're busy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like think about, you know, your relationship with with, you know, your wife, Dave. If all of your conversations you ever had were just at the dinner table with the kids. And you never had moments where it was just you and her, you're re- it, it would be a totally different relationship. Right. You're trying to talk over the kid, you know? <laughs> you, there's, there's certain conversations you can only have when you're alone with somebody. Right. And there's only certain kinds of connections that can happen when you're alone. And it, yeah, I feel like I'm stating the obvious now, but <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts on the first part of the, the epilogue. I, I just, I thought it was really well written great points yeah so um there is definitely this like in in this talking about um the invisible um you know believing that god is who he says he is without seeing him um so much of well and I can't even remember how much we got into this as as we've talked to this book but um, you know we've kind of talked about spiritual formation in Christianity Day has been sort of reduced to 
I have a quote-unquote quiet time, and I listen to the right radio stations. And <laughs> you know what? There is some fundamental truth to that. You know, going back to what am I putting into my body? What am I, what am I doing? What am I doing to uh, encounter God? So, uh, you know, it, it's a start. It's a start. It's it's not where God would have us be. But the other side of this for me is, so I am now working in a position where it is, it is a worldly position. It's a secular position. It's not, I don't work for a church. I don't work for, a, you know, mm-hmm. a Christian organization. It's still, you know, the world of law enforcement, um, but the mental health of, of law enforcement. And I've, I've, I've kind of noticed a couple of different things. One is the number of people who voluntarily put themselves in situations, positions, um, who make the effort to help with the well-being of other people are those who believe in God, a creator, mm-hmm. who believe in a personal relationship with him. And that's, I mean, it's not everybody, but it is it is certainly the vast majority of people who choose to kind of embark on this place of... Um, well, you know, first of all, law enforcement is just a mess. There's a lot that needs to be fixed with it. And certainly one of those things is just the, the health and the well-being of people who choose to be law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. So those individuals who make an effort, or the majority of those who make an effort to see law enforcement um, have a healthier future, healthier life, uh, while they're doing the job, tend to be those who do believe in a creator and the fact that that creator is actively uh, participating in our lives. But then there's kind of this second piece of meditation is an important part of all that. Uh, what we call mindfulness is an important part of that. And I'm not sure I'm going to do this justice right here uh, as we're talking in the podcast. But when you talk to people about why we do those things, if they don't have some sort of um, belief in God or relationship with God, is it, it kind of breaks down for them. You know, you, you ask, well, why do we do this? Why does that work? And they want to explain you know, what goes on. And I don't want to be dismissive of this at all because there's certainly science behind um, doing these things outside of it being in a um, spiritual or a religious um, context. Um, But it really kind of breaks down if you start digging into these things because it's sort of like, well, why does that matter? And in essence, it, it kind of boils down to a sense of, 
Well, you're trying to make the less, making a a crappy situation less less yeah. bad. Like it's just it's just like it, it's empty. There's no there's no like significance to it. And I get it. Nobody wants to live um, a stressful life. Nobody wants to live a life that you know carries all this weight with it. Uh, and I don't even know that I'm I'm making my point at all or not, but. It is just interesting to the dynamic of looking at folks that have that spiritual background versus those who don't. When you really start breaking this down as to why is it important? Why does it work? Why does it matter? Um, Because if you don't have that, it really becomes all about chemicals in your brain and (laughs) electricals, you know, impulses and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, but yeah. What does that matter? And so, um, I guess I'm just, I'm in a place in my journey where, um, well, and this is maybe always true. It's just the topic of, of, of dealing with, with pursuing God and quietness and meditation, all that kind of stuff of just, um, it makes so much more sense when you believe in this creator, this God that wants to have a relationship with us mm-hmm. uh, versus just trying to explain mental health and well-being in kind of a vacuum where there's no purpose behind it other than you can just be good. You can be better. You can be. <laughs> Which so in and of itself falls apart because what's good and why do you decide that? And that's, I mean, that's the whole, but (laughs) what popped into my head while you were talking was it's, we want the things of God, but we don't want God. That's an excellent way to sum that up. Thank you. And yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. And that's not the only example of it in, in culture, right? Uh, no, oh, any any sort not. of social justice or human rights issues. <laughs> yes, exactly. thing of God. People have value. Why? Well, yep. we would say because we're created in their image, and you say, oh, just just because they're people. Okay, but if evolution really is a thing and it's survival of the fittest, then why should we protect the weak people in our society? We should let them die out and let only the strong carry on, so that the race moves forward. At peak capacity or peak ability. Yeah. Like, yeah. If we're all gone in a hundred years, who cares? Like, it's like, that makes no sense at all. It's like, yeah. Anyways, man, we're getting into some apologetics there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, and I, I appreciate you, you bringing it out. I, I don't mean to make light of it. I really do appreciate it. Oh, no, you no, no. I, I, yeah. So, sort of to, to carry on. Um, there's a, another quote that says, but neither God nor the human mind and heart are visible. And we're not talking about when he says mind and heart, he's not talking about your brain and your physical blood pump. <laughs> he's talking about your inner self, the thoughts that you have in your soul, right? The, the, the central part of, of what makes you, you like you are not your body because if you were your body, then you would die when your body died and there would be no eternal soul, right? The, the body is, is just a meat suit for, <laughs> for the spirit, for the soul. So with neither God nor the human mind and heart are visible, 
God and the self accordingly meet in the invisible world because they are invisible by nature. They are not parts of the visible world, though both are related to it. And I, I never really thought about that. Like, I thought about God that way, but I never thought about me that way. Because, mm-hmm. like, I can, I can see every part of my body except for my face, which has always been funny to me. <laughs> I can see my like the tip of my nose and then the rest yeah. of my body, but not my face. Um, but I've never thought about prayer and and um, listening and uh, meditating as an invisible meeting between God, the invisible and my my soul and my spirit and my heart invisible. Because, like, I again, I'm so caught up in the physical world, right? Like, I can yep. feel like if I have a muscle cramp or if I have a sore throat or, like, if I wake up super rested and feel amazing, right? Like, there's so much of what my life is is based off of what I feel, whether that's physical or emotional or, or spiritual, right? But I've never thought about the, the concept of prayer, of communing with God, as a meeting between two invisible spirits. And that kind of, I kind of knocked me back a bit because I never thought about it that way before. But as usual, Dallas has a way of <laughs> making me see things that I've known my whole life and, and see them in a different way. And I think that that makes it more, I don't know if powerful or meaningful is the right word, but like, thinking of prayer in that way makes it feel more like it has more gravity to it Mm -hmm. than me just going, hang on, how's it going? And just being an idiot about it. Right. We talked about like the whole drive through prayer thing a bunch. And, And that's, that's not what prayer should be. But, but again, it's the, it's the, the thought of, of, realizing the full potential of what spending time with God is and is about. And by not acknowledging my own spiritual reality of, you know, being a soul currently encased in a, in a large man's body, uh, not, not approaching prayer with, with that, aspect of of spirituality even um i don't know just it really it tripped me up (laughs) and then a little later he says that jesus constantly presses us toward a life with our father who is in secret toward an eternal kind of life in the invisible and incorruptible realm of god and I think that that is a good end cap for what I just talked about with this this idea that you know God and this uh, God and the self accordingly meet in the invisible world because they are invisible by nature. That Jesus is pushing us toward an eternal kind of life in the invisible, incorrupt, in incorruptible realm of God. You know, heaven. Um, it's it's so much more. Than 
read your Bible, pray every day, right? Like those very good <laughs> things, you should do them. But I, I often, I, I mean, I'm hearing prayer and communing with God and and, and that, re- that relationship, that still small voice, meeting with him in secret, in such more, it's so much bigger and grander. And I mean, because God's involved, right? Like he is, <laughs> he is infinite. And I think I have just, I've been looking at prayer through like a pinhole on a piece of paper. Like I've only seen the tiniest part of it. And I mean, this is an epilogue. This isn't supposed to be like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, he's landing the plane, but I don't know. It just hearing him talk about it in that way really 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 makes me want to rip that pinhole open and see what i've been missing um these 36 years but i mean i i will say um that i hope that anyone that has listened um to dave and i sort of work through this book over the last you know dozen or so episodes um I hope that it was uh, edifying to you, um, not just the conversation, but the um, all of the great wisdom um, that Dallas shared in the book. Uh, if you read along with us, thank you so much. Um, really hope that this book was um, was helpful uh, for for you because I know it has been for me just flipping through and seeing all of the underlines and the stars and the exclamation points, and my little <laughs> comments in the, you know, in the, in the sidebar. Yeah, that's how you know it was a good one. Do you have uh, any closing thoughts on either the epilogue or the book? Uh, just that there is a lot of other things that Dallas Willard has written on all of this. And so uh, if you found this book worthwhile, he has others that I would encourage you to look into. And um, yeah, I, 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 um, I do believe that he is, is one of the most influential uh, authors of our time and not just influence for the fact of having influence, but somebody that reveals truth and speaks truth and um, did it while working a quote unquote secular job, you know, yeah. did it from a place of, of, um, understand, I, I probably one of the more difficult places to do it <laughs> being a philosophy professor, professor. at USC. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like Ellie the beast right there. Yeah. And did it in a way that, continues to be respected, continues to be referred to. And so uh, here is a guy who is 100% human and is a great example to look to and turn to to say, here's somebody who did it and would not probably have been able to do what he did if there wasn't truth in it. So that's my thought. I think that's a great send off. <laughs> So, folks, I think that's it for this week. 
Thank you for hanging around with us and uh, hope you had uh, a good time and um, we'll be back with what? I have no idea. We, have we haven't even know. talked about it yet. <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe we'll pray about it and see. Oh, maybe mm. there's an idea. Uh, so anyways, this has been another episode and um, if you're new to the show, you can find the show notes um, at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 213 or in your podcast app of choice. If you've been around a while, you know all that. Um, so I think uh, I think that's it, Dave. Shall yeah. we uh, say farewell? Until next time. Bye. <laughs>